Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's Great Conversation is with Michael Williams. The Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing, and literary culture. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft is dedicated to exploring Australian writing, from debut authors to household names. Every week we look into the issues that drive our storytelling and help you discover more from the books that you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. To SER broadcast from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. This is stolen land, and treaty was never made in Australia. Now, Michael Williams has joined the Sydney Writers' Festival as its Artistic Director for 2021, following Michaela Maguire leaving to take the helm at Melbourne Writers' Festival. It's like the two passed each other somewhere around Albury, as Michael was the director of Melbourne's Wheeler Centre for more than a decade. He's also been a presenter on Radio National and Triple R down in Melbourne. Michael has joined the festival in the wake of the cancellation of last year's festival due to COVID. We're all excited to see a return to the stages and talks, and Michael has put together a program worth anticipating. Join me as Michael Williams takes us through the 2021 Sydney Writers Festival program. Michael Williams. Hello, Michael. It's Andrew Popel calling from 2SER. How are you? Good. Thank you, Andrew. How are you? I am really well. Thank you so much for taking the time and congratulations on on literally everything. I'll make more specific congratulations as part of the interview, but yeah, congratulations. This is just so awesome to see a festival coming up. Look, it, it seems so improbable at various times in the lead up and we're really uh, proud of what we've been able to put together. I just, yeah, it's... I think sometimes even just knowing that it's coming is a bit of a balm for the soul, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> oh, no, we all need it, I think mm. so. It is fast approaching festival time, and that means so much as we come out of a year where we've basically had to dress up our teddy bears and give them TED Talks about our favourite books if we wanted any live festival action. Sydney Writers' Festival has released its 2021 program, and it welcomes to the helm a new artistic director, Michael Williams, Michael, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. This is so exciting. G'day, Andrew. It is ridiculously exciting. Now, the last time we caught up, you were the director of the Wheeler Centre. You were in Sydney for the Writers' Festival talking about a new program called The Next Chapter. You've been a presenter on Radio National, Triple R down in Melbourne, and now you're here in Sydney. Congratulations on taking on Festival Artistic Director. Dorothy Parker once said about her own life that she didn't so much fall on her feet as fall on other people's. (laughs) And I feel that a little bit about uh, how lucky I've been in um, what I guess I have to think of as a career, where I've had a chance to again and again work in jobs in places where I love on things that I believe in. And Sydney Writers Festival is no exception. I feel like like falling on other people's feet, there's a joke in there about social distancing, but I'm just going to let you have this win because you have pulled off something amazing. I mean, the Wheeler Centre always seemed to me like one big year-long Writers Festival. Now, you've joined the Sydney Writers Festival in September last year at what a time I can only imagine was strange and harrowing. What was the mood like? It was. I mean, quite apart from anything else, when I joined, I was still in Melbourne and I was still in kind of severe lockdown. I was in about month six of what was going to wind up being a nine-month lockdown. Um, And I'd finished up at the Wheeler Centre after 12 years in March. 
Um, I'd always felt like uh, these creative jobs have a bit of a time limit on them. Mm. And so I'd always thought that was the right time to go. And so I'd announced I was leaving at the start of the year and I had plans to travel and indulge and recover after what was a fairly kind of massive job for a long time. Uh, And instead, before my last day, I found myself in my living room on a Zoom screen uh, facing the fact that not only was I no longer doing the job I loved, but I wasn't out in the world. I wasn't out there talking to people. I wasn't out there browsing bookshops. All those things that uh, were going to be the indulgences I enjoyed were suddenly kind of whisked away. Um, And so when uh, the opportunity came up to take on the artistic director role here in Sydney, I was so thrilled and excited, but not because not because of the ways in which it was an extension of things I've done before, and it was certainly that, but because of the ways in which it was uncharted territory. What did it even look like when I couldn't go more than five kilometres from my front door to conceive of and put together a writer's festival um, that still had the same meaning, the same impact uh, that we love festivals for the rest of the time? Can you cast your mind back, if you will? Because, I mean, the world is, the world has changed utterly, um, and we don't quite have Yates's terrible beauty born yet, I don't think. But that first Zoom call, did you have a sense that that would become the world and that, and that would be so integral to the, to the festival that you're creating? Look, it was interesting, and I had many months from that first Zoom call until taking the AD role here in Sydney to really think about what that meant for what we're doing. Because on the one hand... Um, you know, it was a good year if you're a reader, you know, if you're stuck at home and not able to go out and about a little more time with the books. It was a good year um, for contemplation about the things that matter. But something like a writer's festival isn't just about uh, a moment of broadcast. It's not just about hearing two people talk. It's about communing. It's about community. It's about coming together. And what I watched happen in so many places last year was that Um, organizations, booksellers, publishers did the much-vaunted pivot to digital, you know, digital writers' festivals. We can do that. That'll be fine. We can still hold events and we'll do it online. And there was certainly virtues to that. That meant access to writers that you might normally never get access to. That meant um, access to audiences who normally can't make the trip into a festival, you know. From that perspective, it was a kind of rich tapestry to work with. But something to me was fundamentally missing. I mean, all those digital events, all those digital um, conversations and interviews and panel discussions, they were wonderful, but they weren't, it seemed to me, events. They weren't actually festivals. They were bits of broadcasting, whether it was video or audio. They were much closer to what you do for your audiences at 2SER or any radio station or any TV station. They were much closer to broadcast than they were to genuine conversation. And that, to me, seemed like a limitation. I think for me, a moment that really sums it up is uh, if we go back to 2019, I'm not sure if you were in Sydney for the festival there, but it was part of the opening address. And Max Porter, who had just had Lanny uh, come out, gave uh, this incredibly stirring speech where he, he roused the audience while simultaneously berating our leaders for you know the, the myriad of sins, which have only multiplied since. That's the energy you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, that's a big part of it. Anyone who was at that opening address walked out into the foyer and turned to the person next to them, whether they knew them or not, and wanted to continue that conversation, wanted those ideas 
to be propagated. They, you know, I know uh, from working here now how many times the podcast of that opening address has been shared. You know, that people didn't just want to hear it. They wanted to thrust it on friends and loved ones and neighbors and say, you've got to listen to this. But the other thing that Max said, um, and, you know, I think Porter is a phenomenal writer. Um, the other thing he said on that visit to Sydney Writers Festival was in one of his conversations, he took issue with that old idea that the novel is an empathy machine, that we read and we understand the positions of others. He said it's much more complicated than that. The way in which we impose our own values, our own ideas on what we read stops it being an empathy machine and makes it more about a kind of confirmation bias. What it seems to me the novel is, though, if not an empathy machine, is it's a machine for killing distance. It's for breaking down distance. And in a year where we were physically distanced from one another and socially distanced and even culturally distanced, it became very important to have these great imaginative flights of fancy to give us access to worlds that we no longer had within reach, the, the worlds that were remote from us, perspectives other than our own, uh, experiences other than our own, but that actually is why we read. That's the love of literature. Um, and and so that, that for me became a really galvanizing concept when it came time to think about how, how important a festival is uh, now more than ever. And what an absolutely perfect segue, because the theme for this year's festival is within reach, and it seems to encompass just the right amount of nail-biting balance between the distance that we've come over the last year and the seemingly kind of funhouse mirror ride that we still have to face in the world ahead. What does within reach mean to you? Look, it, it, it means a few things, and you're absolutely right. A part of what I like about it as a theme is I think on the one hand, it's an incredibly hopeful theme. You know, whether we're talking about uh, the global climate crisis or we're talking about vaccinations for COVID or we're talking about solutions to... Um, you know, failures of structural power or, or whether we're talking about art, these solutions, these kind of opportunities to do it better um, are within our reach. There is something very hopeful about kind of acknowledging uh, what, that, uh, what that journey might look like. Within reach also for me speaks to just the purely prosaic thing of how excited I am to be bringing people together in a room once again, our COVID safety advisor, I think, is slightly nervous about within reach as a theme and would rather the theme was no touching. But, you know, within reach, it still has an arm's length between you. 1.5 metres is still within reach. Um, but then the other part of it is perhaps the most crucial change for Sydney Writers Festival this year, which is that um, for obvious reasons, we can't fly in internationals. One of the things uh, our audiences and our artists alike love about Sydney Writers Festival is it's such a resolutely international event. And it's about engaging with writers from elsewhere as well as writers from here. And whilst it was clear that we couldn't do that in the same way, um, the more we thought about it, the more we saw that as this incredible opportunity rather than a liability. Because we have, uh, and I'm going to do the title drop again, we had within reach uh, all these astonishing voices, these astonishing writers who... Um, you know, arguably uh, have not sufficiently been placed front and centre in our public programming uh, for years because of that love of the new, the love of the kind of external voice. And so we decided then and there that that was kind of our guiding spirit of this year's program was let's 
start with the voices we have here. Let's start with the writers we have here. It doesn't mean there aren't any internationals uh, by a video link up, but we we weighed it up and we thought, no, we don't want to do a weird hybrid, you know, 40 to 60 international writers on a screen and you sit in a theater and watch them be interviewed remotely because that's not the live experience and that's also not the point of the festival. You know, the point of the festival is a discussion of ideas with the best um thinkers, the best kind of imaginative figures at our disposal. Um, and this year, that's local. And that's an extraordinary and fun thing to play with. I mean, I think the best creativity comes out of having a strict set of parameters that you have to work with, you know, stuff that you bounce off. Um, it's, I don't know if you're a fan of uh, the uh, TV show Arrested Development. You, you had I, me thinking of that when you did the no-touching line before. <laughs> yeah, well, it, 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 clearly it's filtering through, uh, <laughs> through my thinking in lots of different ways. But, you know, the first three seasons were on Fox, commercial TV, um, all kinds of editorial standards, all kinds of constraints. And Mitch Hurwitz and the team who put that show together um, had to work around them. They had to work around kind of a very rigid runtime. They had to work around commercial breaks. They had to work around censors. And they produced some of the most kind of daring, provocative, hilarious comedy um, on network TV that I can think of. Then for seasons four and five, they had to deal with Netflix, where they were told, go for your life. You have an absolutely blank slate. You can make and do whatever you like. And they're nowhere near as good. Without the without the limitations, without the constraints to work against, um, they got self-indulgent. They got kind of flabby around the edges. So suddenly the sharpness that had defined it in the first three seasons was gone. And I think, um, you know, not likening a writer's festival to a sitcom, but I do think having those constraints, having the various limitations that a COVID world has imposed upon us, meant that we had to think very specifically about who we're for, what we're for, and how that works. And um, I'm proud to say I think that's made for a better festival. A rather tenuous segue this time, but while we are talking about restraints and restrictions, a lot of people are going to be thinking, you know, I, I want to get out to stuff, but what does, what does this COVID world look like? What is COVID safety going to look like at, this, at the usually bustling festival hub? Look, we're hoping to retain a certain sense of bustle, but we've had to be, you know, I mean, it's the great challenge is almost the best thing about a festival is serendipity and the casual. You know, it's the thing that you discover that you didn't know you were going to look for. It's the conversation in the queue for coffee in between things. It's bumping up against that person you haven't seen for years and discovering an author they love that you've never heard of. Those casual, relaxed, moments in between sessions are part of what makes a festival. And of course, the one thing that uh, COVID safety is not in any way is casual. There's a greater rigidity. There's kind of um, the need to make sure that everything is ticketed to within an inch of its life, that you've thought about who's coming and going and when, you know, the uh, perhaps it means that there's no milling around inside and all of those kind of things. And so that, that, concentrated the mind for us about how to um, find that balance between the elements that make a festival wonderful and the limitations in how we could do that this year. But what it means, you know, in some ways it's simple things. You know, there will be uh, down at the Carriage Works Festival site this year, there will be some amazing food options, the like of which we've never had before. There'll be food trucks down one mm -hmm. side. There will be a kind of bar and bakery space set up down the other end. Because we've had to think about how to move people through the building, 
or give them opportunities outside. The creative solutions to that actually are going to create something that's really special. And I think I'm, I'm very excited about that component of it this year because I think there will be a lot of incentives to go to CarriageWorks in the morning and stick around all day um, and pop in and out of sessions the way you might have in the past. There's a bit more time between sessions this year because of cleaning times that we're using uh, fewer venues and so it's a little more concentrated in what it does. But actually, for the most part, I think if you show up either for the kind of core program in Carriage Works or for the events we're doing at either Sydney Town Hall or City Recital Hall uh, or even out at Parramatta, um, for all of those, it will feel like the festival that you know and love. One of the things that I just think is absolutely brilliant about this festival is that you'll be honouring, so to speak, the class of 2020 with the Sydney Writers Festival debutante ball. Now, Australian writers had a hell of a time last year, and I remember many conversations with debut authors who were just wondering about the fate of their work. You've already mentioned you're in Melbourne during all this, where I know you had the hardest lockdown, but also some of the most amazing and supportive independent bookstores. Tell me about the debutante ball and what what those those books meant to you during lockdown. Look, it's um, you're absolutely right. It was a, a brutal year for writers in lots of ways. I mean, as as you know, it's always perilously hard to build a career as a writer in this country. To conceive of yourself as a writer, to take the risk, you know, the incredible privilege to say this is what I'm going to focus myself on. And uh, as particularly as a debut writer, it's possible to write a beautiful masterpiece that is wonderfully published and incredibly well reviewed and still you know, fail to kind of break through into the wider consciousness. It's always tricky. But if you spare a thought for those people whose first books came out in 2020, all the normal ways in which you get introduced to the world were kind of taken away from them. They didn't get their book launches for a start. But, and I felt this acutely in Melbourne, independent booksellers did an amazing job keeping open, delivering books to people. But without the browsing in bookshops, without the kind of discovery element, um, what are people going to get on the website and buy online? They're going to buy the authors they know. They're going to buy the known quantities, the established names, um, because they're not in a position where they can discover the new. And so those debut authors aren't doing bookshop events. They're not doing tours. They're not doing writers' festivals. And so the real, what we actually saw last year was that it was a pretty good year for the local publishing industry. Um, the numbers of books sold were um, pleasingly, comfortingly high. But particularly if you're an author of adult uh, debut fiction or memoir, um, certain kinds of nonfiction are always fine because they will connect with the moment. People will seek them out. Uh, for the kind of research and for the real-world kind of application of them. But for fiction and memoir in particular, um, those books came and went. And there's an old publishing truism that most books have a shelf life slightly shorter than yogurt. Um, And, you know, that's a danger because the month of publication passes, the next month's books come out, and then the next, and then the next. And then by the time people are finally emerging from their lockdown, people are starting to be able to browse and everything again, there's a new crop. And so suddenly that class of 2020 um, is in serious danger of falling by the wayside, regardless of how good their books are. So recognizing this as a challenge, we knew that one of the things we wanted to do with the 2021 Sydney Writers Festival was we wanted to honor those writers. And we didn't have to look far for a wonderfully cheesy tradition that is all about introducing people to society. And that's the debutante ball. So we send out invitations. We have about between 60 and 70 writers 
from all around the country who, uh, between February of last year and December, brought out their debut novel or memoir. Um, and we're bringing them to Sydney and we're throwing a dead ball and we are going to introduce them to literary society. They will have a moment uh, where they can recognize that they're, they're working alongside peers, that they have readers, that they have, um, they have a connection to this kind of wider ecosystem than just themselves. And in a way that, that kind of encapsulates what I think the power of a writer's festival is and what the importance of it is right now is that reading and writing we think of as a very solitary pursuit. Writers go and write in isolation somewhere. We get the book and discover it, and it's a very personal discovery. We read it in isolation. Um, and last year, we were able to continue that trend. But what we lost is the moment when we go from the solitary reader to the communal reader. And it's when we recognize the ways in which we're a communal reader that suddenly we're able to think of ourselves as a community. And so the festival, first and foremost, has to be about that, from the individual experience to the shared one. Let's keep going on community because another panel that I saw that I wanted to highlight was is Whose Country Is It Anyway? And it features Melissa Lukashenko, Nadi Simpson, and Neyuka Gori. And the panel, is it explores the ways country has been written and how white colonial writings have been used to justify control and subjugation of the land and of First Nations people. And I want, like, you've got an incredible program. It's worth mentioning that the opening address is also going to feature Melissa as well as, um, oh, help me, Michael. I've just Tara, had a mental Tara break. Tara June Winch. Tara, Tara June, June Winch. By a video link up from where she's based in uh, France at the moment. And for some reason, and I, Evelyn can, I could remember Drop Bear, but not Evelyn's name for some reason. <laughs> uh, no, no, look, it's the way, you know what? That's a sign to me that we've done something right, is the density of the program mm. makes even a singular literary mind such as your own kind of clouded with uh, all the things that are there. No, we have Melissa Lukashenko, Tara June Winch, and Evelyn Araluen, whose debut book of poetry, Drop Bear, came out this month. And um, uh, starting with whose country is it anyway, Nayuka Gori is one of our guest curators in this year's program. Uh, Nay is an extraordinary writer. They first appeared as a guest at Sydney Writers' Festival back in 2019 when they were the recipient of a writing fellowship. And they came there to talk about that kind of process of being mentored and developing your identity as a writer. Um, some of your listeners might remember seeing them. Uh, they appeared on a now notorious episode of Q&A uh, where Mona el talked about the need to kill more rapists. Um, and Nayuka spoke very passionately about um, any number of topics, including kind of abolition. Um, they're an incredible thinker. They're very kind of provocative, very considered, very smart, and they put together three sessions for us. And whose country is it anyway, which is on the Saturday at midday, um, as you say, it, Nadi Simpson, Melissa Lukashenko, um, it seems likely Tara June Winch will join that one by video link up as well. Um, you know, that is that question about who writes country and how, um, how writing about something, how bearing witness to something is an act of kind of ownership and an act of reclamation um, strikes me as an incredibly powerful set of ideas. And I think that'll be a terrific session to attend. This is a challenge, though, as well as I, as I read it, because as we read, you know, you talked about the personal act of reading, but there is, there is the political in every act that we take. And I wonder whether you think Australian writing has done any sort of job let alone enough, in reconciling the stories that have been told and how they have 
obfuscated the past and they've held down Indigenous people, they've, they've hidden history? I, look, it's, um, you know, it's a fascinating question and one that pops up in many ways in our program and one that we're, we think about a lot. I mean, it also relates to the role of something like a writer's festival because mm-hmm. like a writer's festival, a publishing house or a publishing industry is an expression of structural and cultural power. You know, it is about reinforcing dominant narratives. It might try not to be. It might try to be rebellious or revolutionary. It might try to um, remember to include voices that have traditionally been marginalized or not included. But to a certain extent, it is a kind of monolith of structural power. Um, And so the challenge is how to, um, in an industry that on the one hand is artistic and on the other hand is subject to market forces, how to get that message across that, um, it's both culturally important and commercially viable to not see Australian writing and Australian voices as a monolith. Um, and for us, actually, once we knew that we were turning the focus back onto Australian voices, that was a really important thing to us. That if we think of Australian literature as a particular kind of white, historical, uh, rural, uh, realist, masculinist narrative, um, you know, that's not the lived experience of your listeners or of my community that I belong to or of readers in Australia more generally. It's not what it is to be Australian and have a voice and have a story to tell. And yet we, traditional um, traditional organs of literature like the Miles Franklin Award, uh, year in, year out kind of favour a particular kind of idea about a sepia-toned view of what constitutes Australian literature. And so what we wanted to do was really break into that and really make sure that we were honouring and showcasing uh, the vast eclecticism of the voices that make up Australian writing. Now, the 26th of April, that's the date to put on your calendar, in your diary, in your phone. This is when it all kicks off. Michael, before I let you go, we've got more than a month before the festival, but uh, with the COVID safe distancing that you've already talked about, tickets are already on sale. I noticed that some events are already starting to sell out. People are going to need to get onto it fast. Any? Can you give me maybe one hot pick or obscurity that, that you would love to see people discover? The um, Look, uh, I encourage people to get on the website fast. As you say, say things are booking out, um, and they're booking out very quickly. Um, there is so much there, and you will see a lot of talk about the various kind of uh, the the shows that we have at Sydney Town Hall are real blockbusters, although in a way that is a bit distinct from the traditional way of thinking about blockbusters, whereas Traditionally, it might be, okay, we have this international name or that international name. This time, it's about kind of getting groups of people together um, to kind of bounce off each other and show that kind of breadth of vision and imagination and energy. I'm not going to bother plugging any of those because they are wonderful and you will see them and you will want to go to them. But amongst the Carriage Works program, uh, one of the things I just wanted to pay special mention to is we have a number of panels that have sprung from anthologies that have been published over the past year. And it might seem like a strange thing to emphasize. Um, uh, To a certain extent, a a panel based around an anthology um, feels like a very traditional or very static form. But I draw attention to it because um, it's in the anthology, as I'm sure you've discussed many times on your show, 
the world of the literary journal is not in a particularly healthy state at the moment. And so there is a thing for emerging writers who aren't quite ready with that first book to kind of um, to tease out ideas, to demonstrate the power of their voice, to, um, to take some risks and chances. And anthologies are an amazing place to discover that. And so whether it's an anthology like the recently published Growing Up Disabled in Australia or After Australia, whether it's an anthology like uh, the Beijing Bureau, which is about foreign correspondents uh, working in China, um, or something like the uh, the anthology from Liminal, which is the um, online publication that focuses on um, particularly Asian-Australian writers, but also other writers of colour in this country. Their anthology is called Collisions, and it is an absolute goldmine of people you've never heard of who are writing risky, adventurous, experimental stuff that is exhilarating to read. And so I'd encourage you to kind of seek out any of those sessions because I think you will discover your next favourite writer there. Thank you, Michael. That is absolutely the most horrific question I could have asked you to pick one amongst what I'm essentially asking you your favourite child. Um, I, I, I know. Oh, no, no. It's easier to name my favourite child. Um, <laughs> the, the younger one is much nicer. The older one's a pain in the ass. But with my program, it's very difficult to do. And, it, you know, we're so proud of what we've put together. And part of someone asked me um, how the program was and, you know, how I felt about it. And I said, look, this is going to sound like the most boring word I can use to describe it but it's an incredibly cohesive program. Mm -hmm. um, and that, for me, creatively, isn't a boring thing. You know, it's exhilarating. There's wonderful stuff in there. I can um, wax lyrical about it endlessly. But cohesiveness is a hard thing to achieve where um, not everything is for everyone, but I think your listeners would be hard-pushed not to find something in there that's for them and that then leads them on a path of discovery that is what the best festivals do. Michael Williams is the Sydney Writers Festival Artistic Director. He has pulled together a program that is going to see us bursting out from the, the covers and onto Carriage Works to check out from the 26th of April. So the 2021 festival runs from the 26th of April to the 2nd of May. You need to get to swf.org.au. Do it while you're listening to this interview. Do it now. And check out the program and get onto those tickets. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been so nice to talk again. That's it for this great conversation with Michael Williams. Michael is the Artistic Director at Sydney Writers Festival. And if you want to discover the full program, you can check it out at swf.org.au. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Stay in touch. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. It's at Final Draft 2 ser Subscribe in your podcast app. There is more great conversations than ever. We have introduced the 2SER Book Club. It's a short introduction to some incredible new books. It's going to drop midweek. And if you're subscribed, it means you never have to go looking for it. It will pop up in your podcast app. I'm Andrew Popel, and I'll be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. <laughs>